Welcome to the Deep Impact Investing Podcast with Kimberly Griego-Kyle of Horizon Sustainable Financial Services. In this podcast, we discuss sustainable impact investing, creating portfolios that match your values, and a variety of other topics such as financial education, social justice, and sustainable food systems. Do you want to know if your investments seek the kind of accountability from corporations that you demand? Listen in as we explore the burning question, are you investing like you give a damn? Hello and welcome to Deep Impact Investing with Kimberly Grego Kyle from Horizon Sustainable Financial Services. Kim, how are you? Your hair looks great. Oh, thank you. I, I don't think the listeners can see that this time, but maybe next time we'll do video. <laughs> maybe next time we'll do video, but I, I, I can... I'm loving the the teal along with my purple. You got some purple, you got some teal. It is it is really I'm not your average investment advisor. No. <laughs> that should totally be your tagline. Like you need to make t-shirts now. Yes, I should. Not your normal, not, not your average. Not your you average not financial your average. advisor. Yeah. I'm okay. totally going to do that. I'm going to put on the back of a t-shirt and wear it yeah. everywhere I go. And if, <laughs> if you do that, maybe in about a year, I'll get a tattoo. Uh, get that tattoo to my shoulder. <laughs> no, no. Okay. never mind. Anyway, listening audience, for those that are just joining us, if you have not listened to the last podcast, Kim covered a pretty amazing quiz. It's like 15 questions. It will really make you think, and that's free on the website. We'll talk about the website at the end of the show, give you a, a link to that. Uh, but definitely go back and listen to that podcast, went through a bunch of information. And then that quiz, like a, a financial well check, if you will, is on the website. But today you're talking about something completely different. We're shifting gears. What are we talking about? Completely shifting gears. So we're going to talk about climate change. We talk about that a lot, but we are going to talk about it in terms of banking and insurance. Oh, well, that is new. I've, it yeah. <laughs> it is new. That. And it's probably something most people don't think about. But we in this investment industry, in the impact and social investment criteria industry and ESG, environmental social governance, we're looking at these things. And I want to share some information. Well, and you'd shared the title with me, which now is very clever. Banking <laughs> on success or failure. Yes. Okay. You like I it? it? Banking I do. On I do. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I can be clever. I have clients all the time who ask me about banking options. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be with this big bank or that big bank. Where should I bank? What should I do? Can I get the credit card or a socially responsible credit card? Still having trouble finding anything along those lines, but mostly I steer people towards community banks and credit unions. Those, mm -hmm. those you know, if you, if you really want to pay more attention to your banking. Those are, are things you should look at because, you know, they're not owned by public markets. That and the fact that you just don't hear a whole lot of fraud coming from the small credit unions and community banks as you do some of the unnamed banks that have been in the news over the last what, five to seven years for fraud. I'll just say that one more time. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, we won't name them, but you're right. You will see less of it. It can still happen, but it's definitely a, a diminished process in, in these, these smaller banks. Yeah. But, you know, a lot of people are thinking, well, why does this really matter to me mm -hmm. other than having a good bank? And the big piece here is because these big banks, and we're not going to name names of anyone mm -hmm. <laughs> on the podcast, but they lend money. So you put your money in the bank, right? Your deposits are sitting in there. Your money is in there. And the banks are using that. 
mm-hmm. money and they're lending it to private prison institutions. Really specifically today, we're going to talk about how they're lending to the climate disruptors such as oil and gas producers and for coal extraction. So you might think, okay, it's a bank. It's not, it's kind of lower on the scale of what I think is the worst bank ever, but they're still doing this. Mm -hmm. And some of these big banks, you know, we have to think about over the last 15 years now, we've seen a huge reduction in banks, these bigger banks, lending to small businesses or even home loans. Mm. And, and I mean, this goes back to 2007, 2008. Yeah. How we can't forget. <laughs> We're going to talk about 2000, 2008. We cannot forget about the scandals that really go back to that period of time, which came from bank lending. Mm-hmm. And how those, you know, that some of these loans were broken up into these different tranches and then they were packaged back together. And it was, as we remember, a nightmare <laughs> in the yeah. investment industry. Yep. And and I think people are still, you know, the ones that were adults at the time that it happened. And maybe I'm not not discounting the younger folk, but I mean I, I think that people in their thirties and above when that happened are still a little bitter about huge bailouts for these banks that just didn't deserve it. I'm sorry. If when you do stuff like that, you deserve to get slapped down a bit. Right. Go out of business, whatever it is. Yeah. But we don't, we support, we meaning our government support these banks because the fear of the collapsing Mm -hmm. economy, you know, some, a lot of these banks too, when you talk about scandals, uh, overcharging, they're huge bank fees. You know, if you get an overdraft charge, I, I've seen it now as high as $59. She made Christmas. I mean, that's crazy. Yeah. I'll tell you a little quick story. Last year, my mom got a check from a big bank mm-hmm. out of the blue for over $2,500. And she's looking at the letter and she sends it to me. She's like, what is this for? I don't understand. It was from this big bank overcharging her on her mortgage that she, a house that she had sold more than 10 years ago. Wow. And because, you know, all of these things were happening and they were being called out on it, they had to go back because of lawsuits, all of that and pay people back. Oh, and I'm sure that they included all the interest from all those years that right. they, they made off that money that they sat on then. Oops. Let, let's just go ahead and give her her $2,500 back while they used it for 10 years in yep. other capacities. Yeah, I, I know. I, I doubt there was any interest paid, but Maybe you know, it's <laughs> crazy. So I want to talk about this report that was published in March of this year, March of 2022. It's called, I, I love the name, it's called Banking on Climate Chaos. Mm. <laughs> I was I saw that and I was like, wait a minute, I gotta look at this closer because this is crazy. Yeah. Um, I mean, just a crazy title. And it's a it's a pretty interesting report. It's you can see it all online. It's literally banking on climatechaos.org. Okay, so what this report is doing is highlighting a bunch of case studies that they've done on how big banks specifically financing harms local communities and how these communities are fighting back. And it really relates to 
climate change issues. Okay. So one of the oh, one of the well-known big banks, as we'll say, people are going to get tired of hearing me say that today, but they're still financing the indigenous, you know, it's, they still have financing that violates indigenous rights and the biodiversity loss in the Amazon. And this is a case study from April 26th of this year of 2022. Mm. It kind of upset me because I'm like, that's my birthday. Wait a minute. This is horrible news. (laughs) (laughs) So now the listeners know when my birthday is. Well, it could be a gift too, right? It's a case study. Yeah, it is. Hey, here you go. Now you know. Right. One of the things that is right on top of their website over a six-year period, the last six years, the world's 60 biggest banks. So we're not just talking about US here. We're talking about the world. They put over, hold on to your seat, they put over $4.6 trillion into the fossil fuel industry, which, as they say, is leading to more climate Mm -hmm. chaos. So they're financing the, the fracking institutions. They're financing oil extraction. We want to see them change this behavior. The banking funding for fossil fuels is a big threat Mm -hmm. to us and and the lives and the livelihoods of all the local communities they affect, especially indigenous peoples, black and brown communities, the poor and working class communities, they get it the worst. And it's, you know, we see that too, if we're... If we go back to Flint, Michigan, which is a water issue, they still don't have good drinkable water. And when we look at coal communities in the Appalachians, we see how much they have destroyed their communities with coal extraction. And and then they pull out and these folks are left with no jobs. And they, you know, it's an extremely poor area of our country. So banks do a lot of things that are helpful. They give us a mortgage, those types of things. They help us take our paycheck in and pay our bills, but they're also lending out. And this lending is what we're really seeing as a big issue. And in this industry, in the social investment impact industry, we're really looking at ways to push these banks into changing that behavior. The banking on climate chaos. I keep wanting to say climate change, but it's climate chaos. They have a a lot of reports on their website. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to just talk about a couple of these things. Oh, it's amazing. So just last year in 2021, the 60 biggest banks invested in fossil fuel sectors, $742 billion. So that was just one year. And as I mentioned, this goes up well over four and a half trillion dollars over the last six years. It's so crazy. They're investing in the big name oil companies, which is, you know, some people might say, well, that's not terrible. And when we say investing, they're lending to them. So -hmm. they're also making money off of those institutions. But still, what we want to see is a change in that behavior, because as we have seen, the more fracking there is in a community, the more likely there is to be issues around earthquakes, honestly, and water issues, those types of things. So, you know, moving that needle back 
will be a big help to many of these communities. They also list on their website how much many of these big banks that we're familiar with have personally invested or lended into this industry. The top one, again, who shall remain nameless, <laughs> is over $382 billion hmm. in the last six years. Just one bank. And on the investment side. Yeah. Yeah. And, and just into the fossil fuel industry. So it's, a, it's kind of a shocking thing to look at. I really, really, really appreciate this report because you can sort their data. You can look at their different data. You can see which companies are getting the most money through different time periods. It's, it's interesting. They go through and they score the financial institution, the bank, on their, the projects that they're invested in whether it, they're phasing out, which is important because some of these banks are starting to phase out of investment in these areas. Mm -hmm. And that's what we want to see. I want to see more green on this report than there currently is. And the green shows that they're phasing out, You're getting out of the oil and gas. Oh, I'm just going to say one of the biggest banks that's doing that is in France. Mm. We see this all the time. Europe is so much farther ahead of us. And again, there's a lot of things that we could be doing differently. So there's let, me, a, let me ask you a question. Yeah. Because, so, so I think the, the first and or easier step for them to take would be to stop the investing in these companies. The much harder issue or harder problem is to stop lending money to these companies and institutions because they make money off of it. Right. And, and that's going to be a much harder job to convince them to do that. So it, maybe, you know, this, maybe, maybe you don't, or maybe this is something this, this website could take a look at. Are they, are there any of the banks, maybe in this top 60 that are trying to offset the footprint or have, have done anything to offset their footprint on the money that they're loaning to companies like this compared to other companies that are green. So if they're loaning, you know what, we're going to loan $100 billion out to these types of companies, but from the profits we make on those loans, we're going to contribute to these different causes that replant trees and do things, clean water and, and whatever those things are. Do you, do you know if there's anything going on like that? Well, Eric, I hear what you're saying. You know, mm -hmm. are, they, are they doing good when they're already doing bad? Correct. I mean, I, I right. And honestly, in my opinion, it doesn't matter if mm -hmm. you are planting a tree, but you're still massively helping to pollute our environment and increase our, we're, we're talking about that 1.5 degree increase in temperature. Oh. It's still contributing to that. So it doesn't matter to me. Uh, I think a lot of people feel that way. What we really need to do is encourage them and push them to stop lending to these institutions. And I agree, hundred percent. Yeah. But is that realistic? I think it is realistic. Oh, good. Well, you're you're much more positive than I am because I just I see <laughs> them as big greedy machines. Yes. With pockets that you know, and 
it's that it's that guy in the office upstairs with his cigar and he's like ah, more money you know monopoly guy uncle, yes uncle scrooge you know <laughs> yeah. however you want to do it yeah. uh, scrooge mcduck diving into his vault of money and you know counting everybody that's kind of how i view it maybe that's just a yeah. bad way to look at it but at the same time i think i think people have seen the bad that they've done especially in these last decade and a half yeah it's a not, not a good picture so i would love to be more positive about it but maybe i'm just kind of negative <laughs> i point. think it is hard to be positive about it because it, I, i'm just gonna tell you about one of their case studies Please. that came out this year and it's on the gulf coast communities now we know gulf coast has a lot of gas production you know a, mm -hmm. a natural gas funnels through there and of course oil and oil extraction refineries all of those things yeah. so what they've done is they've gone through and published a report about how damaging it has been to these communities for the last 25 30 years alone and we could go back farther we know there's been an oil spill in the gulf we uh -huh. see what it's doing to the communities in terms of, you know, with the price of gas, for example, I have a job, I don't have a job, I'm making money, I'm not making money. And, and that really affects those communities directly. It's affecting the fishing industry. Uh, think about all the shrimp that oh, comes yeah. from the Gulf Coast and whether or not you really want to eat it, honestly. So there's a lot of things happening. And, and this, of course, is... If we look at Louisiana alone, it is mostly a lower income and poor community. We think of Louisiana or as New Orleans as this amazing, wealthy place, but it's really not. Yeah. So those are issues. A wealth and of every, culture, but not finance. Right. right? It is wealth of yeah. culture. You're right. So these big banks have been just continuing to expose these communities to natural disasters, increasing climate change, which affects them greatly. We all remember Katrina, mm -hmm. all of those things. It's so important to push the banks to move in a different direction. That I want to remind investors is something that we are doing. So while I have some clients who will come in and say, I don't want to own any bank, big banks at all. Mm -hmm. Okay. Are there some that are better than others? Maybe, but the realistic process here is if we don't own shares of those companies, we cannot file resolutions to push them in the right direction. That's right. Yep. So that is, that is what shareholder advocacy is about. And that's something we have to remember and keep in mind. And from what I remember about you talking about it, you don't have to own a large amount. You just have to own some, right? You, Exactly. If you personally wanted to file a resolution, mm -hmm. what we do is we take any shares that our clients own and we lend them, so to speak, to other organizations like As You Sow, which is a nonprofit that files shareholder gotcha. resolutions, bigger, bigger institutional investors who are making those shareholder filings. Perfect. So, yeah. What, what this report really emphasizes is that we have to, as investors and as human beings on this planet, tell America's banks and actually the global banking system that they need to stop funding the, the dangerous investments into fracking, gas, 
and oil extraction. So ah, I'm on my soapbox, but it's important because yeah. we're seeing so much climate change and the damage that comes with that. Oh, I get all riled up. <laughs> <laughs> well, I like it when you're on your soapbox because that's what I learn. Okay. That's good. That's good. All right. Well, I'm going to take a little bit of a turn, but it's still very similar. Um, you know, what about insurance companies? And this is what I've been waiting for. I'll be quite honest. I mean, I, I kind of knew where you're going to go with the bank stuff, and I kind of figured some of that stuff was in there, but I'm really curious now, how does insurance fit into this? Yeah. So I, I learned a few things looking at this issue, and there's probably more for me to learn. There is, of course, another website, and we'll, we'll put that probably in the, uh, the notes for the podcast, but it's Insure Our Future. And have dashes in between each word, but it's a .org. It's, mm -hmm. And they do a scorecard on insurance companies, just like the other webpage that is doing the scorecard on banks, how they relate to fossil fuels and climate change. Okay, so what does that mean? Well, this is the fifth scorecard that they've done. They've done it for the last five years. And they're scoring the companies on fossil fuel, climate change. Their analysis looks at the whole global insurance industry and compares, of course, to the fossil fuel sector and how the insurance industry is, let me just say, is avoiding catastrophic climate change. Now, that's not true for everyone. And it's really focusing on 30 of the primary uh, insurers, the, the biggest ones, and assessing their policies, what they're doing with, you know, I, I think a lot of people don't realize when you give money to an insurance company for anything, they have to make money off of that mm -hmm. because it doesn't always cover the costs to reimburse, I don't know how many businesses, homes after a natural disaster, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, any of those things. So, so they're investing your money again trying to make some money. So what they're what are they investing in? They're investing in coal, oil, gas, other climate issues, we'll say inaction issues. And this report is really highlighting the loopholes that they can kind of work through uh, and more importantly, progress that they're making on moving forward. And if you think about it, why does a insurance company invest in fossil fuel extraction when fossil fuel extraction scientifically we know is contributing to climate change climate change we see bigger hurricanes you know those are getting more and more costly the insurance company then has to turn around and pay out a lot of money for that but clearly they're making enough money in order to do that so they're basically funding their own business. Hmm. You think they find something else to fund that wouldn't cost them so much later, right? Right. It'd be more profitable, right? I mean, that's yeah. the basics of math. Right. Hmm. Like if I lived at the bottom of a hill, I wouldn't fund a drainage ditch that came directly down into my driveway. <laughs> That's a great. That's a great example. Yeah, let, let me build this slip and slide that's going to just deliver sludge to my living room. Right. Exactly. <laughs> and I just thought of that off the top of my head. I love it's that. True. It's you know it's what these insurance companies are doing. 
Yeah. They're supposed to protect us from risks, not create more risk. Yeah. And this risk is, as we know, a threat to humanity, a threat to climate change. We are seeing so many you know, flora and fauna that are disappearing every day. Mm-hmm. And we have to look at this issue. It's a must. It's not, well, maybe we'll get to it down the road. Now is when we have to look at this. Now is when we have to push change because we will eventually get to a point where we cannot turn back. Absolutely. Yeah. I don't want to see that day. I don't want my children or my grandchildren to see that day. Yeah. I think that's, is that called the doomsday clock? Is that, I think, yes. The, is that yes. a thing in Times Square maybe still? Mm. Mm. Yeah, it's in, it's intense, right? This organization Ensure Our Future is really moving forward with their campaign about holding specifically U.S. insurance companies and the industry accountable for their role. I'd like to see this really out there. Like we should put it on billboards. We should, we should really be, as individuals, paying attention to this as well, not just this amazing organization. Yeah. So here's a few statistics because I know how you love those. I was just going to ask you, what are the numbers? Because you told me the bank numbers. What yeah. are we insurance? So the number of U- U.S.-based insurers that are restricting. So this is restricting underwriting any business that has to do with climate change, you know, conventional oil and gas. So this is the restrictions, zero. <laughs> That's not a number I want to hear. <laughs> no, I would love to have at least seen a few on there, but no, there's zero U.S.-based insurance companies that are looking at this and restricting their investments in this area. So the num and here's another one I like. Well, I don't like it, but you know, it's it's a good statistic. So the number of North American companies. So this is a you know, Canada, US, North mm-hmm. America, that are restricting under underwriting for coal on a global level is 35. Okay. It's a little bit better. Yeah. But there's a lot of insurance companies out there. I was going to say, do we do we know the overall number of insurance companies in North America? I don't have that number on the top of my head, but yeah. we should look that up. I think this is what is shocking to me is that in the last year, there's an estimated 580 something billion that insurers themselves have invested in fossil fuels. I don't know. I'm having trouble wrapping my brain around the 4.6 trillion and billions and billions, hundreds of billions of dollars that are being funneled into our fossil fuel industry by institutions that should be reversing that trend. Mm-hmm. So the, I love this organization because not only are they complaining about it or telling us what the problem is, they are taking a further step and saying, we have demands on the insurance companies in this industry. And they want to see, they have, they have a six-point demand platform, which is great. Like, let's, let, what do you really want? What do you want to know? What do you want to do? So they want any insurer to cease investing in any kind of new or expanded coal, oil, or gas projects. So just put it on hold. Make it, make it stop. And for any of the investments that they do have, they're asking them to phase out 
those investments so that there is a more credible look at the 1.5 degree Celsius, not to Fahrenheit, it's Celsius, mm-hmm. um, the, the pathway into the financing of these industries, which, you know, oil, coal, gas, really polluting our environment so horribly. Yeah. The third one, divestment. So maybe you have investments already in these industries. So they're asking them in number two to phase it out. And then they're just asking them to phase it or to, to divest all their assets. Uh, the fourth one, uh, remediation really is what I think of it as. And being stewards of the environment, no. be part of trade associations that are improving the situation, improving the progress of limiting fossil fuel extraction and holding shareholders and corporates, corporations accountable for the damage that they're doing. Two more quick ones. Okay, so we're getting you not to do it. We're telling you to divest. Well, what about their emissions that they're funding and how can they get to, first of all, set a target to reduce emissions in the industry and then how do they get there? They want it to be transparent comprehensive and again align with the idea of the 1.5 degree celsius pathway process that is being put out there yeah the last one simply establish a policy and verification systems and follow it (laughs) it just (laughs) sounds simple but you don't see that (laughs) yeah no that would be good and somebody's got to watch them Somebody does have to watch them. And I, you know, who, who's going to do that? You know, is it going to be the UN? Is it going to be related to the UN sustainable development goals? I don't know, you know, but how, how can we support the efforts? And I think the idea here is if you have insurance or where your banking falls on the list of these bad habits that are happening, Mm -hmm. then as, in, as investors or as individuals who are using that firm, we should be telling them. We should write letters to them, to their CEOs, to their board, and say, you've got to do this differently. Or dramatically, we're all going to die. <laughs> right? Yes. And it, it sounds very dramatic, but it is true. So what do we do? Support the efforts of those who are already doing this work. I'm not going to tell you how to do that, whether you're doing it via social media, personally talking to people, or if you have money to donate to nonprofits, then Uh take a look at these as options or others that are doing similar work. We have to demand change. And as a social investment industry, we've been doing this for decades and we are seeing a lot of change happen. And this is an area that I hope we tend to focus on more going forward. This last one, I really like. So fossilfreefunds.org, you can go in and put in your bank, your mutual fund, where you have any of your investments and find out if they are themselves invested in fossil fuels. Mm. And then you get to make a decision on what changes you wanna make. 
So there you have it. That's a lot of crazy information, right? That's a ton. Yeah. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to throw a challenge at you. Are you ready for oh, that? Oh no, I'm ready. Okay. Yeah. And, and, and you, maybe, you know, this has already been done, <clears throat> but here's the thing. I think that one of the things that you said is, is knowing who your insurance company is, knowing who you're banking with, knowing what they're doing is, is the very, very first step. And yes. then you went on to say, then we need to be active in letting them know how we feel. So writing letters, so on and so forth. Is there an organization or has anybody put together templates? Because I think a lot of people's hesitation is, mm. I don't know what to say. I right. don't know what to, how to address it. I think that, and it's not that, well, there are some of us that are lazy. I'll be honest. I mean, there's there some of us that are yeah. like, I just, I'm, I'm terrible at typing. I don't know, you know, I, this is going to take a while. But yeah. if somebody, and I'm not putting this on you, but maybe there's an organization out there that has some template type letters that they would be willing to share where people can say, okay, if I'm going to write to my bank or write to my insurance company or write to any company to tell them, hey, this is what I'm, you know, I'm concerned about. It would be great to have something that was pre-written that I can kind of tweak for my purposes. So what I can do is contact the two organizations that I talked about today and see if they have anything like that. That'd be great. And if they do, we can put a link on the website to to these organizations and and where they have those placed. If they don't, then so maybe it's a call to, to action. It. Yes. Yeah. 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 Because I think it would be a lot easier for people to do that and say, okay, now I sound more like I know what I'm talking about. I mean, they, we learn a ton from you, Kim, but I want to make sure that I'm doing the right thing, saying the right thing to maybe help implement some of these changes or, or at least make them understand that there's people out there watching and seeing what they're doing and Absolutely. we'd like them to improve. Yeah. The more they know people are watching, the more likely they are to make a change. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And with investments, you know, we have clients who want to divest completely with fossil fuels in our zero carbon energy portfolios. Mm -hmm. And then we have clients who take the other side of that coin and they want to be not personally involved, but they want their investments to be involved in the shareholder advocacy process. Yeah. So we have those options available. And if folks are interested in finding out about that, they can email us at info at horizonssfs.com or call us on the phone, 505-982-9661. All right, Kim, thank you so much for your time today. This has been another fantastic podcast. Thanks, Eric. I sure love having these conversations with you. Me too. I mean, this is, this is fun. And again, I learn stuff every time we get together and I appreciate that so much. And we also appreciate you, the listening audience. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the Deep Impact Investing Podcast with Kimberly Grigo Kyle. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Kim comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. And we humbly ask that you share this podcast, rate it and leave a review as this actually does help other people find the show. Again, thank you so much for listening today. For everyone at Horizons Sustainable Financial Services, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Deep Impact Investing, the sustainable, responsible impact investing podcast that shows you how to invest like you give a damn. If you have questions about this podcast or topics you'd like to hear addressed on an upcoming podcast, email us at kim at horizonssfs.com. Join the conversation on Twitter at Horizons 
S-U-S-T-F-I-N, or give us a call at 505-982-9661. Don't forget to click the subscribe button to be notified when new episodes become available. The companies we may speak about during our podcast are not recommendations for investment. Only you and your financial advisor can determine what the right investments are for you. Horizon Sustainable Financial Services, Inc. and its financial professionals do not render tax or legal advice. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the host and or guest and does not necessarily represent the views and opinions of Horizon Sustainable Financial Services. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service providers with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. None of this content may be used or duplicated without the express written agreement of the podcast host.